And so tonight we're going to talk just a little bit about worry. And this is a, a message, if you haven't been here very long, you know, the last couple of years you just started coming to this church. How many of you have just started coming to this church since January of this year? Raise your hands for me and wave them there. See, that's a lot of folks, you know. Give them a hand. That's great stuff. We got a lot of, got a lot of new folks. And Pastor Bill and Pastor Pam, you know, over the years have, have, have preached this message that I'm going to preach, so it's not going to be a whole lot different for some of us that have been around a long time than, than what we've heard, but I just, I just wanted to share with you a little bit tonight about worry, and why I felt like God told me we can replace worry with worship, that in our life, if we can worship, if we can open up our hands and, and, and raise them before the Father and just begin to worship, look, look to Him. Sing and talk and praise who he is. Sing about who he is. Begin to let go of that. We focus a lot on this stuff, and we come to him a lot of times with prayer that's really just worship with our eyes closed, or worry with our eyes closed, right? We just come to him, and then we, just, we worry to him, you know, and hope he takes care of it, instead of just coming to, before him and worshiping him. And if we can come before him and worship him, the worry seems to dissipate, like earlier in this service, as we just kind of continued to roll in worship a little bit, it's very difficult to carry that weight of worry while you've got your hands up and you're just succumbing to the presence of God and just worshiping him. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, do not be anxious about anything. There's a few things that God says you know, to us, and we're going to look at a few of them. Don't, don't be anxious is one of the things we'll look at real quick. Don't worry is one of the things we'll look at real quick. Don't be troubled is one of the things we'll look at real quick. Those are all things that, that, that Jesus has said through here for us that, that we're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to be anxious. We're not supposed to be troubled about things. And you go around and you see people, and we've talked about the crazy train for a while on Sundays. You know people. They're troubled. There's just something happening inside their head. They're, you know, and when I was in Mexico, it, it, you, you can, it doesn't, it's not a language thing. It's a person thing. It's not really a cultural thing. It, it's a human being thing. That the enemy is out after each one of us. And it's, it's just something to be able to just lay hands on somebody and just pray that God just releases his anointing into their life to break the yoke, that bondage in their life, to bust worry and care and anxiety off of their life, begin to see them raise their hands and worship and be free. I mean, that's, that's, that's why we're all here, to help do that in the lives of people who are out there. And you better be worry-free if you're going to help other people be worry-free, right? right? Amen. It says, though, it goes on and says, don't be anxious for anything, it says, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, that's important, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The Message Bible says, and you might not have that with you, but she'll put it up here on the screen for us, that same passage. It says, don't fret, don't worry. Instead, instead of worrying, it says, pray. Don't worry your prayers to him. It says, instead of worrying, pray. Focus on Jesus. It says, let your petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers your petitions and your praises. And it says, letting God know your concerns. It goes on, though, and it says after that, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you. That's what it was like earlier, you know, as you raise your hand and just begin to let him have it and just relax and just begin to, to, to feel his presence, to sense his presence, to praise him. All of a sudden, there's just this thing. 
And then as soon as you put your hands down, as soon as the music stops, as soon as you sit down, we begin to talk about the offering and worry starts to come back. <laughs> What's going to happen? How's that going to work? Look, maybe we should, just, we should just keep our hands up and keep praising. Just put your offering in your hands, raise them, just, just, just drop them in wherever you want. Somebody will pick them up off the floor. But it says it'll come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens, it says, when Christ displaces, when he displaces Worry at the center of your life. Worry warts. And when Christ, when Christ displaces that, as he fills you with his presence, with his glory, when he fills you, worry is gone. Darkness has to flee. When you're full of the light and the life of God, that darkness has to flee. It has to be gone. And so I would encourage you today, I know you face situations that you don't have the answers to. God doesn't ask us to worry about those things. He asks us to worship him, to trust and lean on him, and to seek him. You don't know the answers, but you do know the guy who has the answer, and that's Jesus. He has an answer for you and for your situation. I don't know how many times people have come to me, and because I'm, I'm the pastor, and I'm sure for Pastor Pam and Bill and those who came before me, it was the same kind of thing. They come with, your situations are extremely complicated. And when I sit down and begin to talk to you, and you begin to pour out your heart about all the things that have happened and how all of this mess has unfolded, and then you say, what do I do? And when my eyes stop spinning in my head... I get back up off the floor and I say, what? No, I say, pray. Pray. I can tell you what the word says about your situation, but only you can hear from God to know exactly what God wants you to do about your situation. Now, if you come to me and tell me God told me to do such and such and it does not line up with the word, I'll tell you, go back and pray again. Because I'm not sure that's right. I've had people say, is this this God? And they tell me something and I say, I don't know, but it sounds like the word. Sounds like his spirit. Do you have a piece about it on the inside? See, there's, there's now you're getting all my tricks. God talks to you. When I taught math, you learned math, not me. I already know it. You come into my classroom and I teach you math. I already know how to, I already know math. So I'm teaching you to be able to do what? Math. I'm taking pre-calculus this semester at Harrison. My niece is taking pre-calculus at Harrison and so she's over at my house two or three times a week. So I actually have a big whiteboard and a, the, the thing and I set up with my markers and I, the kids ask me questions and I do them on the board just like I'm teaching. But then I tell them, you gotta go, you, you gotta do this. You gotta go. So when I say don't worry, it's for me too, but I'm encouraging you tonight. Don't worry. Anxiety, if you look that up in the dictionary, it says it's a state of apprehension, uncertainty, and fear resulting, this is great, from the anticipation of a realistic or fantasized threatening event or situation. It could be real, but it could be made up. And it goes off, and this is the part that really gets me. It's, just, it's the second part of this. It says, often impairing physical and psychological functioning. Crazy. Right? It impairs physical and psychological functioning. It, it, it keeps you bound up. 
and you can't move forward. You can't act right. You can't think right. You can't even move right because of that anxiety. But on the other hand, because Paul said there, be anxious for nothing, that if you are anxious for nothing and you bring your requests and your petitions to God with thanksgiving and praise, it says the peace of God will come And that peace of God, if you look at the word peace, it's an undisturbed state of mind, freedom from strife, freedom from dissension, a perfect well-being, state of rest, quietness, calmness, and tranquility. The world, man, is troubled. But why is the church filled with worry? You You go to Mexico, and the one thing you realize is everything's run on Mexican time which is about 72 hours in a day. Okay, They don't have 24, they've got 72, and when they show up, they show up. And I've been uh, in other countries, and I, I've, I've preached in Latin America and different places, and so I, I, I kind of recognize that and realize that. But it's always this, it's okay. No, no, you don't understand. The plane's going to leave in five minutes. Where is my gate? It's all right. It'll show up on that screen over there. And I look over, and there's a hundred Mexicans around that screen, all doing the same thing, just staring. So I came over and I said, waiting on Hotoko? See? They're all just watching the screen. I'm like, it leaves in five minutes? Yeah, yeah, see. They don't worry. It's all good. One thing that one of them said to me while I was there was, you know, we're a lot more relaxed down here than you are in America. I said, yeah, yeah, I, I noticed. Because <laughs> you're like, you're supposed to pick me up at quarter till and it's 10 after. <laughs> so whatever, you know, I'll just sit on this rock for a while. But, you know, the world is, the world is a, it's a worrisome, troublesome place. And you know what? The church has gotten sucked into that. And we've gotten so concerned with issues and people and things that we've forgotten that our hope is in Jesus, that our foundation is in his word, and that we live by the Holy Spirit of God leading and guiding us each day, and that he loves us and he cares about us. And if he were to, like it says in Matthew chapter 6, we're not going to read that scripture, that passage there between 25 and 34, but you can go home and read it. But if, if, we, if he cares enough about the birds in the sky that he feeds them, how much more are you and I? In that passage, you know, Jesus says, look, look at the birds, look at the flowers, look at the ground, look at all the stuff. I mean, this is just grass and flowers and things. It grows one day and it's beautiful and the next day it's cut down and it's a fire for somebody. But God cares enough about those flowers and about that grass to bring rain, to allow the reproduction, to have them drop the seeds in different places so they can come back. I mean, he cares enough about, do you not think that he doesn't care enough about you? It's just, it's a trick. And the church has been kind of dragged into this thing of, of being worried about who's going to be the next president or the next senator or, or what's going to happen in the different countries as, around the world as the news begins to sensationalize all the horrible things are going on. They are horrible, but we can't do anything about them 
other than, praise God, trust him. If you have to vote, vote. If you have to run for office, run for office. I, those are, you know, God will call you to do those kind of things. I believe that. But, we, but we, I can't change myself today, right now, who's in the White House. And I can worry about it all day long. And I can talk about all the reasons and things and places where I don't agree and where I don't think it's going to happen and how it's going to lead us to this part and to that place and to that place. And all of those things are true. All of those things are true. And I have a part to play in that because I am a citizen in the United States. I even have more of a responsibility, I would think, because I'm a believer in the United States of America. To do my part, to make things known, to do all that. But the one thing I can't do is cross that line of worry. I can't take that care. Because it'll begin, it'll begin to, to, to do what this says about anxiety. It'll impair me physically and psychologically. It'll keep me hooked. Jesus says there in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry about your life. What you shall wear. Is life not more than clothing and those kind of things? Don't worry about it. It's that idea that says, hey, God does love the birds. God does love, I mean, he loves, he loves each and every one of us, and he has, he has taken care of them. He is going to take care of you. He didn't say just sit down at home and relax. He said there's something that you have to do. He said don't just relax and sit back and say, yeah, it's all good, man. Don't worry. Be happy. You know, he didn't, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just lay in your house. It was seek him. At the end of that passage, the answer to this thing that says, hey, I'm coming to you because I've got some issues and I'm starting to get worried about them. The answer to that, Jesus said, was, you know what you need to do? Diligently seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. That doesn't mean just hold yourself up in your room and read the Bible. And pray. It, means, it means be a believer. Get out there and walk by faith. Seek his face. Yes, get on your knees. Worship him. Get that download from heaven that gives you the direction and gives you the peace in your heart to know which direction you're supposed to go in these days. Go after what God has for you first. And you're all here in church on a Wednesday night, so you're probably one of the ones who want to go after what God says. Or you're so worried and troubled, this is the only safe place to come. So we're both in the right place tonight. I mean, you're, you, we're all here in the right place. Worry a minute, it'll, it'll, it's harmful to you. It'll kill you. I mean, it will. It'll, it'll eat you. It'll eat you up on the inside. We said that it impairs us physically and psychologically. But I'm telling you, if you just continue to worry, man, you'll, you'll end up eating all your nails off. You'll end up pulling all your hair out. You'll end up sick. And it's about worry. It's about stuff that you maybe could do something about, but most times can't. I think part of this seeking after God is this thing where God says, listen, I just want you to have relationship and fellowship with me because the peace that that will bring in your life will surpass all the things that you have to worry about. Now, it doesn't say quit your job, go home, put your feet up. It doesn't say come live here in the sanctuary. But it says seek his face. There is no wisdom in worry. No wisdom, because wisdom is only found in him. And he ain't worrying. God's not worrying about it. He knows everything. When you know what's going to happen, 
when you know what's going on the next turn, when you know how you're going to provide for your children and where that's going to come from, you don't worry about it. You encourage your children to go that direction so that they can be in the right place so that they can receive what you have for them. So tonight, he's just encouraging us, don't worry. See, a a, a big part of faith is moving out without the details. But many of us are so detail-oriented, we won't move out unless we understand them all. But I know that God told Abraham, go, take your family and leave this place and go out there into the desert to this place that I'll tell you when you get there. And it said, Abraham went. He just, okay. And he went. When Peter saw Jesus walking in the water, he said, if that's you, sir, bid me come. And he said, come. He didn't say, okay, now tell me a minute. What's it going to feel like when I step in the water the first time? I mean, how's it going to work? How am I actually physically, I mean, could you mathematically tell me how, my, how I'm not going to sink in the ground? I mean, this, deny, this defies physics. So you have to, can you give me a little lesson here and help me out? Nope. What did he do? He bailed out of the boat, man. Woohoo! Out he went. But he started worrying when he took his eyes off of Jesus. And what happened? See, what are you giving your attention to? Here it's easy. Because we all love God. We're all here together. He's playing the piano. So it's easy for us to sit there and just go, oh, I love you, God. Actually, a lot of people come and have come to this church over the years because of the worship. We've been known as a house of worship, a place, not just a church like a house of worship, like a place where people can come and worship. And God does something in their life when they worship him, when they come in here and they lift up their hands week after week and allow God to minister to them through the worship, through that time in the service, God's spirit touching them and tears coming down there. God breaks yokes off people's lives and bondages off people's lives and has in this church for years and years and years in worship. Why? Because I lift up my hands and I let go of my crap. Sorry, should I say stuff? I don't, it's okay. <laughs> Just be real with you. I didn't say something else. You know, it's... <laughs> But, you know, I mean, I just, I, just, I just let it go. And you know what? I come here because I'm carrying this load, and I feel like I got this load, and I, I got to get it off, so I got to get to church, and I want to worship him. So play the piano and get that music going, and let me clap my hands, and let me let go of this stuff. It starts off for many of you like this. <laughs> or this is one of my favorites, too, when, when uh, the chair's turned around, but it's this. But then you start to kind of percolate in it. And it goes like. Anybody looking? (laughs) (laughs) And after a few weeks, you know, God begins to pull on you and tug on your heart. And your heart begins to kind of start going that direction in a fountain of life. And all of a sudden, you know, you're the biggest worshiper in the joint. Jumping up and down. You d- Listen, y'all are pretty strong. You're healthy people. You don't have to hang onto the chair. You won't fall down. I just want to, you won't, right? I mean, they're not going to fall down. You can get your hand, you can clap and, and not fall down. 
You can raise your hands and close your eyes. Nobody's going to rob you. Hey, most of the people in here have been redeemed. You know, uh, if you really worry about it, ladies, put the purse around your ankles down there and just put your hands up. Nobody's going to steal from you around here. Most of us are on probation. If we get another strike, we're gone for a long time. So we've got to be good. <laughs> Who wants to... <sighs> I mean, worry and worry and anxiety and all those things. It's a misuse of the creativity that God's given you. I have so many people tell me I'm not creative. But then they can come up with 700 scenarios of how God's word won't work in their life. Man, you're more, you're more talented and more creative than the people making movies. You got 37 scenarios going here. Can we... Can we you're very creative. The problem is you're wrongly creative. Allow his creative spirit to flow through you in the positive direction. Not you try to figure out how everything won't work for you. You know what I tell some people? You're right. There's no hope for you. I, I hate to get in agreement with wrong, but I, I think I'm in agreement with you. I don't think you could come out of this. I think it's the last straw. Please go to another church. <laughs> Joyce Meyer said worry is just a deposit, right, on things that will never happen. I think the quote that she has is, uh, worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. And you're paying interest on that thing. And you ain't even getting the car or the building or nothing. You're just getting the heartache and the trouble. There's a study done years ago, and I've shared about this plenty of times. And it's by this guy, Dr. Cavert. And he said people worry. And they went and they'd done this study over, I don't know, I think it was Stanford or someplace. And 40% of the things people worry about never happen. They never, ever, you know, what are those things in your life that you spent a lot of time last month worrying about that didn't even ever happen? 40% of the things that people worry about on average don't ever happen. 30% of the things people worry about already have happened. And so they're worrying about past. They're worrying about past mistakes, past issues, things that happened. They're worried about all of that, and they can't do anything about it anyway because it happened last week. Happened yesterday, last month, last year. Some people, 10 years. 10% of the things that you people worry about are insignificant. Now they, you know, like what other people think about them? Like when they're in church and they want to raise their hands, but they're really worried about what that person that brought them is going to think. Well, they brought you to church, dude. They're going to be excited for you, you know? I mean, like, that's why I brought you. <laughs> they're going out disappointed because you're not into it, all right? So... It's that kind of thing. What people think about me, what people talk about, that kind, you know, that kind of stuff. 12% are those kind of crazy worries about health and not serious things like, you know, you've been this great diagnosis, but the things that says, man, I got a lump on my leg. It must be cancer. You know, John Mason says, you know, you go from a lump to a bump to a stump. I mean, like that quick in your head, 
right? Not, not, I know, you show somebody, hey, I got this funny thing on my arm. They go, oh, man, my uncle died of that. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. No, you got poison ivy. Just put some calamine on there and just keep it dry. You're going to be all right. We all know somebody that's died from something. Okay, so don't, don't be sprouting worry on people. But that's, that's 12%. So it really leaves like 8% of the legitimate things that really people worry about are, are like probably left over. The legitimate concerns is what this study says. That, you know, you could probably or maybe it said you should be worried. These are the things you should be focused on or worrying or whatever. I don't believe that. I believe that we should be not worrying about those 8%, but do know what to do with them. Give them to God. Right? In Luke chapter 10, we know this story of, of Mary and Martha, and they're sitting at, well, one of them's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus came to their house, and this is exactly what my mother always told me, keep your room clean, because I'm telling you what, Billy Joe might show up at this house. And Billy Joe was the pastor of the church we went to out there in Oklahoma, and I said, listen, Billy Joe's not going to come to the house, and if he does, he ain't coming to my room. I'm pretty sure. So... I may come to your house. I might do that. I might start doing that. I'm just going to knock on people's doors. How you doing? What's happening? Pastor John Elizabeth are here. Woo-hoo! I know. Yeah, we don't live here anymore. <laughs> but I, I know you. But it says, as they, went, as they went, he entered, Jesus entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. See, and many of you have welcomed Jesus into your house. In here. And so she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. See, it doesn't, I, it says, but, but she had a sister who also sat at the feet of Jesus. Meaning that, you know what, she too sat at the feet of Jesus, but in this moment, she wasn't sitting at the feet of Jesus because it said she was distracted with much serving because he showed up at her house and she got worried, troubled, it says. And she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And Jesus said to her, listen, Martha, you're very worried and very troubled about many things. One thing's needed. And your sister Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You choose the good part tonight. I don't know what you came in here with. I don't know what worry or care maybe was on your shoulders. But I do know it's time in our lives to learn to exchange our worry for worship. As you worship and lift your hands and that worship goes up, your worry meter goes down. Amen? Well, if I'm not going to worry about it, who is? Him. I used to say that, man. I'm a recovered worryaholic. <laughs> I worried a lot about everything. Yes, thanks. All the time. And out of, you've heard me preach this before. Out of my very mouth came those words to her one day. You're so, or two days, or, okay, fine, shh, let's stay with one. They'll think I'm a wreck. It was a long time ago. But I said to her, you're so, so carefree, nonchalant, everything's all right. 
said, listen, if I don't worry about this, who will? And I was, that was, that was the nice version. I mean, I was like, I was crazy. I mean, I was, I mean, it did damage me physically, psychologically. I had like things coming out of my head, steam out of my head. I'm like, if I don't worry about this, who will? You know, I mean, I was like, get away from that guy. So I know what it's like. I mean, (laughs) that's kind of the way it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a little scary. But But see, that's how crazy does. It just comes out, man, and like, whoa. But you stew on it, and you stir it, and you, you keep being troubled, and you, you try to act better, and you try to act right, and you try to do more right things, because if I do more right things, then maybe God will take care. No, worship him. Worship him. Learn to just let it all go. Just drop what it is and just worship him. So tonight, that's what we got a few minutes left, all right? And we're just going to stand up and let's just, I'm going to pray for you. You know, when, 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 when Saul was, he said the spirit of, of distress came upon him. You know what he did? He called for David to play the harp. Why? Because the music, it said, soothed him. See, there's something about that, that, that song that God has put on your heart. It may be one we sang tonight. It may be, you know, how, how great is our God. It may, it may be I exalt him. I, what is it in your world, in your time, in your place, in your thing? See, because it, it evokes something on the inside of you. It pours, pulls out this, this love and this anointing from the throne room of God. I mean, it just tugs on his garment when you do this. Music evokes things, right? Guns and Roses, Welcome to the Jungle. It does not evoke that peace. Okay, it evokes something else, right? Because when you hear that song on the radio, man, you're 16 again, tops down, you're cruising along, no cares in the world. This is what this is my jam. I used to get fired up for basketball with this one. And what happens? Your heart starts racing and things start going and all of a sudden you hate your friend from third grade again. <laughs> what took me there? Music. Music, it has this way to kind of Take you someplace. Now, don't go home, bust up all your albums or whatever. I don't, that's not a. That's all my iPod. So you know that helps me run faster when I'm running. But worship, worship, worship. You say, oh, I'm not a singer. Neither am I. I sang up here for years because I was a worshiper, not a singer. My microphone wasn't even turned on. <laughs> Man, the old sound guy had a little signal that said, "I'm about to speak, baby. Turn it up." But I love God, and I, I love to worship. See, it isn't, it isn't about, I'm afraid that I'm throwing everybody off tune because I sing really loud right here. I'm sure it's killing my mother on that side. My wife doesn't know. She's tone deaf like me. So it doesn't matter to her. But on this side, it could mess up this whole area over here because I'm singing pretty loud, and it's not always real good. So don't worry about what, what, the, what it sounds like. It all sounds good to God. And it's not about just doing it in this place. See, it's about what can you take, what can you take home? I exalt thee, I exalt thee, I exalt thee. Your presence is heaven to me, your presence is heaven to me. They're just, they're, they're short words, little things. You don't have to sing the whole song. But you know when you're in your car and that thing's coming on you, I'm telling you, just start saying, I exalt you, I exalt you, I exalt you. Oh God, how I exalt you. And the presence of God comes in your car. Keep your eyes open. 
I was praying for somebody one day on the phone. They said, hold on, Pastor, i got to pull over. I said, you, you don't have to close your eyes when I pray. You keep driving. I just, well, it might be pull over. You might get slain in the spirit. There's no distance in prayer. So, yeah, you might want to get to a gas station. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.